I'm going to come right out and say it. The elites are pigs. I don't mean they're fat or fond of rolling around in mud, and they certainly are not the source of pork chops or bacon. No, what I mean is the so-called elites are just like the pigs of Animal Farm. In that best-selling book, George Orwell's pigs claimed to be for all, then they led their fellow farm animals in a revolution that chased off the drunken, abusive farmer and took over his farm. Initially, the pigs spoke of equality and even decreed that all animals are equal. But it soon became obvious that they thought they were better and should run the other animals' lives. In keeping with their self-appointed role, they gave themselves special luxuries and privileges that no one else could have. In other words, they weren't really for all, they were for themselves. Assuming leadership of the farm, the pig Napoleon changed the decree to read, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. And when a windmill collapsed, injuring and killing some of the animals, he didn't let the crisis go to waste. Declaring a state of emergency, Napoleon and the other pigs tightened restrictions on the farm animals and then even moved into the farmer's house. There, the pigs got fatter, dressed in clothes, lived the high life, smoking, drinking, playing cards, while the other animals were forced to work harder, some even to death. The pigs had become the very things that they had sworn that they would destroy, the authoritarian elite. George Orwell wrote Animal Farm in 1945 to warn the world about socialism. Not surprisingly, the book is banned in many totalitarian countries. The reason's simple, the pigs who terrorized Animal Farm are a lot like the pigs here and around the world who do all they can for themselves. Like Orwell's pigs, today's elite think that they are better and smarter than the rest of us. They think they deserve to live better than everyone else, and they will stop at nothing to keep their good times going. They may talk about equality or equity to be fully current, but in reality, their mission is what it has always been, to make themselves and their families as rich and powerful as possible, even if it means holding everyone else down. Need proof? Join me in the Economic War Room where we will take a quick tour around the world and expose the pigs for who they are. This is an economic war for the future of America and our world. I opened the program with the story of pigs from George Orwell's Animal Farm. I share that because there are very real pigs around the world who want to rule over you. They promise equality or equity, but that's not what they will deliver. These elites want to rule over you, your family, and the whole world. Let's do a quick review of the elite pigs around the world, starting with one of the biggest pig pens of them all, the Chinese Communist Party. In the so-called People's Republic of China, and yeah, that's what the leaders there call it, with a straight face, too, the pigs run the show. The media may tell you China is communist, a theory of government in which all citizens are supposed to be equal, but that's just for cover. In reality, power is concentrated in the paramount leader, no, I'm not making that up, who runs a few very exclusive power structures with great names like the National People's Congress, which of course are all loyal to him. From these political thrones, China's pigs control daily life to an extreme degree. Want to live where you want to and do what you want? Too bad. Infected with Wuhan's most famous export, the COVID-19 virus? Well, get ready to be locked down with barely any food. Want to practice Islam? Sorry, our Uyghur friends. It's labor camps, mass rape, forced organ harvesting for you. 
And the people who hold all this power, yes, ladies, the People's Republic is largely run by guys, are crazy rich too. Chairman Mao, who led the Communist Party and ruled China for decades, dressed like a commoner, but his life was anything but common. According to China's own data, the average person got about 1,500 calories per day and had a half a pound of meat per month. An estimated 30 million Chinese men, women, and children starved to death. But Chairman Mao kept nice and plump on his lavish meals made with delicacies flown in from all over. And during his cruel reign, many families lived with three generations in a single room dwelling. Not so Chairman Mao, who had more than 50 luxurious estates where he lived, well, like a pig? In many ways, current paramount leader Xi Jinping is a little better. His family is estimated to be worth more than a billion dollars, even though Xi has never collected anything but a government paycheck. Hmm, how does that work? As the New York Times and Bloomberg News discovered, this topic is taboo in China. Their journalists compiled a damning expose of top officials' fabulous wealth, leading the communist regime to nix their visa applications. Yeah, they don't want that story out. And just minutes after Bloomberg reported its story online, it was blocked by Chinese censors. For journalists working in China, The New Yorker reported there is no more sensitive subject than the wealth of the top leadership. It poses more problems than anyone, anything anyone could write about Tibet or Taiwan or human rights? No, don't talk about their wealth. Like a lot of pigs, Xi leverages his power to lift his family far above the people he's supposed to be serving. Conveniently, many of his relatives have ownership stakes in companies directly benefiting from government contracts. Meanwhile, millions of Chinese families continue to live on less than $5.50 per day. Yes, the elites in China certainly are pigs, but they're not the only ones. The Soviet Union was filled with elites who prospered while ordinary citizens suffered. And yes, multi-billionaire Russian leader Vladimir Putin was raised under that system. The same system is in place in North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela. Same results. The elites live like the pigs of animal farm at the expense of the people. Sure, they try to hide it, but anyone with eyes to see can tell you what's going on. Look at Venezuela, for example. Hugo Chavez was born in a poor family and ushered in democratic socialism on his path to full-blown communism. He grabbed power, promising prosperity for all. What happened? The country fell into abject poverty. But never fear, he died extremely rich and left a fortune worth over $4 billion to his daughter, now one of the wealthiest women in the world. It's the same story over and over again. It's not just communists and dictators who are pigs. There's a contingent of globalists. Their master plan for domination at our expense is known as the Great Reset. Unsurprisingly, the elite pigs, you know, people in the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab and those people, they gain power while we become subservient for the sake of climate or for the children, all in the name of science, with a group of technocrats controlling every aspect of our lives. They have plans to replace our money with a global digital currency that would open up unprecedented control over every aspect of our lives. If they get their way, you won't be allowed to buy or sell without their permission. What you eat, where you travel, what you buy, and what you are allowed to see will all be tightly controlled. In that same crowd are people like George Soros promising an open society. But any liberty-loving free person will recognize that his open society is more like a dystopian novel like Brave New World by Aldous Huxley or George Orwell's Animal Farm. Total control for the elite, virtual enslavement for the rest of us. 
and it's not just foreigners. Remember, the oath to protect our Constitution is from all enemies, foreign and domestic. We have many politicians right here in America who act like pigs with the same goals and sometimes the same playbook. These domestic elites are pigs, just like their foreign counterparts, and their goal is the same, destroying America as we know her. Sadly, this is a bipartisan effort involving Democrats and Republicans. But these aren't the Democrats we've known, such as John Kennedy or Republicans like Lincoln and Reagan. They're a new breed, but make no mistake, they can be just as much pigs as the foreign ones we've talked about. We need to take a break. When we come back, we will expose a few of the domestic pigs who want power over you in the name of the common good. Then we'll share our plan to stop them. I struggled as I prepared this message. Honestly, there's something I really don't like about calling people pigs, especially our so-called leaders. In fact, in my daily quiet time, I really poured over a passage in Acts chapter 23. Paul the Apostle called someone a whitewashed wall. When he was told that the object of his derision was none other than the high priest, Paul actually apologized. In verse 5, he said, I did not know he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Given that, how can I tell you about the American pigs in our Congress and White House? But then I realized that in America, we don't have rulers. We aren't really even supposed to have leaders, per se. Our elected officials are supposed to be public servants. That's how our government was established, of the people, by the people, and for the people. So telling you the truth about elected officials is not the same as speaking evil of rulers, is instead calling out wickedness in our servants. And that is something Jesus absolutely did, and so should we. In fact, Jesus tells a parable about a wicked servant who learned that his master was about to fire him. He took his master's money and used it to buy power and position for himself, just like the politicians of today. They're supposed to be servants, and many of them are clearly wicked. With that in mind, let's talk about some of the um, pigs we face here in our own country. Let's start with the so-called Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Now, she's not personally a pig, I don't know, but as a member of Congress for the past 35 years, she's earned a respectable government salary, and yet somehow she's managed to become filthy rich. How? She and her husband, Paul, both seem to have gone hog wild on insider trading, using her privileged access to market moving information to accumulate a fortune estimated at more than $300 million. Maybe they're just lucky. Their track record is better than that of Warren Buffett. Yet the district Nancy supposedly serves is in full meltdown with homeless families living among feces, narcotics, and rats. And that didn't stop the Pelosi's from buying a big bucks Napa Valley estate, one of numerous properties in her real estate portfolio. The Obamas, they're worth a look too. When they moved into the White House in January 2009, Barack and Michelle Obama had a net worth of 1.3 million. Today, their wealth is reportedly 100 times larger, topping 135 million by some estimates. That kind of cash can buy a lot of luxury, and in the Obamas' case, it certainly has. Their holdings include a D.C. mansion with nine bedrooms, a 29-acre spread on exclusive Martha's Vineyard, and an oceanfront compound in Hawaii with two custom pools because, well, just because. The Obamas can afford all of that thanks to a $65 million book advance and $50 million movie deal along with book sales and speaking fees. But that's only half the story. The book advance was paid by a publishing company co-owned by Pearson, 
which received $350 million in taxpayer funds from Obama to develop the much maligned Common Core initiative. And the movie deal was with Netflix, which pushed for and earned massive profits from Obama's net neutrality rules. Cozy. Or consider President Biden, who has been exposed as one of America's most corrupt ever by investigative author Peter Schweitzer. In a series of jaw-dropping books, Schweitzer uh, reveals what the lamestream media never bothered to report. Joe Biden's family, including his brother James and son Hunter, secured multi-million dollar payoffs, corporate equity shares, and interest-free forgivable loans thanks to Joe's influence. Joe Biden famously claimed, I'm not taking a penny from any foreign source. But his family sure has, and apparently they gave big chunks of it to the big guy. How much? Well, as Hunter wrote to his daughter in 2019, he said, unlike Pop, I won't make, me, make you give me half your salary. That's scummy, to be sure. But what makes it downright dangerous is that more than $30 million of the money flowing to the Biden family came from China. Clinton family corruption is also covered by Schweitzer in his books, and there are plenty of Republicans as well. Schweitzer calls out Mitch McConnell, the Bush family, and John Boehner, among others. Is Schweitzer right? Read his book, do your research, draw your conclusions, but keep this in mind. Anyone willing to sell out America to China for their own gain, I hate to say it's a pig, whether Republican or Democrat. And it's important to understand that these are not the kind of Democrats or Republicans we used to know. None of them are like Kennedy or Lincoln or Reagan. While no politician is perfect, at least with President Kennedy, we did have a Democrat who loved America, wanted lower taxes, wanted to secure our borders. He was a war hero. He wanted a stronger America. He opposed racial quotas and divisions. For the most part, today's Democrats no longer hold any of those pro-America positions. Compared to Kennedy or even Barbara Jordan or many others, modern politicians may call themselves Democrats, but they're Democrats in name only, D-I-N-O, or dinos. Republicans in name only are, of course, rhinos. Neither dinos nor rhinos believe in the American dream of individual liberty. They've sold out America, not understanding America exceptionalism. What makes America exceptional is not that we're better than other nations per se. American exceptionalism means America was created to be an exception to the rule that existed throughout the world before America came along. Power would no longer rest with the privilege, but with the people. Vowing not to repeat the age-old tragedy of tyranny, our founders established a government that would serve the people by making it express purpose, the people's liberty and happiness. For most of our history, America has been the exception. Yes, we had to deal with the horrific evil of slavery, but this nation fought a civil war against it 150 years ago and abolished that horrible institution, at least at our society's level. Sadly, slavery still exists in the world today, but it's opposed by America, not supported by her. America is the land of opportunity, a place where one's future is defined by one's efforts, not one's past, a place where the American dream is available to all, not just the privileged few, a place where individual liberty is treasured and collective controls abhorred, a place where people don't fear their government, those in government fear being cast out by the people, as it should be. America stands for personal liberty, not collectivist control, and America as an experiment has been wildly successful. That's why the foreign pigs hate America so much. And that's why the dino and, yes, rhino pigs want to, as Barack Obama stated, fundamentally transform America. 
If he had said he wanted to make America even better, then good for him. But fundamentally transform, and transform into what? Sadly, they want to eliminate America exceptionalism and make us just another nation under rulers like the Orwellian pigs of Animal Farm. They plan to tell us it's for our own good, to keep us safe, to follow the science, to make things fair, to make things equitable, to make us better as a whole. These are the lies of tyrants used over and over, whether in the Bolshevik revolution of Russia or communism in China, Cuba, Venezuela, it's always basically the same. Today's version is built on ending American energy independence to protect from climate change or overspending to the point of bankruptcy in the name of compassion or weakening our military to stop wars, opening our borders to help refugees and tearing down our culture and society because we're too racist or bigoted. That's why there's such a push to teach critical race theory and tell children that they're automatically racist and must pay a price for having the wrong skin color. Notice how the solutions all seem to tear down America and put our nation at risk in some way. A good example can be seen in something as simple as voting rights. Most Americans, including minorities, support the idea of voter ID. After all, you have to show an ID to cash a check, travel on an airplane, rent an apartment, buy alcohol, or borrow a book from the library. Yet somehow the elites want you to believe that IDs aren't necessary to vote. Wonder why? And why should there be such an attack on religion? I can answer that. Karl Marx famously said, communism begins where atheism begins. The pigs know that if America believes in God, our nation will stand strong. It's time for another break. When we come back, we'll talk about what we can do to defend America. America isn't beaten yet, not by a long shot. Our people are strong. Our love of this great nation runs deep and we don't lie down for anyone. The pain being inflicted by our enemies may yet become even more severe, but this nation has faced grave threats before and we have overcome every single one. True, reversing the pig's plan won't be easy. Many changes are desperately need, needed to be made. For starters, we must restore our foundational freedoms, bring manufacturing jobs back to America, spur economic growth with tax cuts and reduce regulations, return to energy independence, rebuild our military, reinvest in our police and other first responders, rip CRT and CSE out of our schools, free every child to get a good education, fully secure our borders and the integrity of our elections, send every Bidenista home until they're ready to come here legally. And that's just a start. Yet these important and essential changes will be little more than words on paper so long as we continue to be governed by people who are willing to sell out America for power or profit. Simply put, our government must once again be staffed by men and women who are as patriotic as those who built it. And that means the first job facing the American people is this, we must take back Washington. I know, that may sound impossible, but it really isn't. There's nothing in D.C.'s air or water that causes people there to work for themselves or other nations. It's just that self-dealing and selling out is permitted there right now, and it's very lucrative. Fortunately, change is achievable for three reasons. First, let's call the pigs losers. Go ahead, take a look at some of the photos of the so-called leaders that are really pigs. Do you know why they look so familiar? They're either bullies on the playground or the bossy, annoying, know-it-all teacher's pets. We couldn't stand either one back in school. They simply don't measure up in any respect to the Americans they're supposed to be serving. 
and they absolutely pale in comparison to the honorable, brave men and women in uniform who truly are serving America. In this real-life version of Revenge of the Nerds, they will power over us for the simple reason that we've given it to them. It's time we take it back. Second, we outnumber them. The pigs and all their loser friends may seem larger than life, but that's only because they get their mugs plastered on TV, newspapers, and the internet by the sycophant media. In reality, they're small, they're weak, and they're outnumbered. As an exercise, assume for a moment every single member of Congress, every con congressional staffer, every government employee, let's say they're all anti-American pigs, and they're not. There are a lot of great patriots in each of those groups. That's fewer than three million people. Now count everyone else in the U.S. and you get more than 330 million Americans. See what I mean? We outnumber them 100 to 1. Third, they are afraid of us. They fear the day will come when we the people rise up and reclaim this great nation for all Americans. Not only for those with Ivy League degrees, private security, and oceanfront mansions. The moms and dads who work, raise their kids, go to ball games, are the people who made this the most productive, creative, and free nation on earth. The pigs fear that day because it's when all the perks, profit, and privileges that they gave themselves will go away. Folks, that day is now. Alexander Solzhenitsyn once wrote, unlimited power in the hands of limited people always leads to cruelty. And he was right. And that's why it's high time we put some serious limits on the power we have given the pigs before they can do any more harm. We've been building a five-step action plan to save America. Number one, step number one, cry out to God. Number two, make them serve us. Number three, show them where we stand. Number four, rally the nation. And of course, number five, weaponize our money. We cover all this all the time in the economic war room. The pigs have tried to divide us, to deny that we are one nation under God, and we have lost our way. We need to repent of our sins, cry out to God, and ask him to forgive us and heal our land. Any hope we have must begin with God. Step two is to make them serve us. In our system, we're not supposed to have rulers, remember? They're servants. Let's call on every member of Congress and every candidate who wants to work in Washington to pledge that they will vote for a new act. We call it the Serve the People Act. It's an idea that we're beginning to put forth. The pigs will surely gripe about these provisions, even though they're much needed and long overdue. But when they gripe, it will be proof that we know that they're not in Washington to serve us. They're there to serve themselves. That's why we're working on the Serve the People Act. I plan to put details in our economic battle plan. Essentially, the Serve the People Act will require elected representatives to work like we do, live like we do, obey the law like we do, require voter ID and election integrity, check their work, including reading their monstrous 5,000-page bills. I'm really excited about the potential of this bill. In fact, I'm writing my next book to cover everything we've discussed so far and to go into even more detail on the solutions. We will, of course, have to tackle the bureaucracy also. We have a plan for making the unelected line up with the Constitution, but we have to start with the elected. We need a Congress and a president willing to stand for our rights under the Constitution. We need public servants, not rulers. To save America, we need to make it clear to the pigs that we're not beaten. We're not giving up our country without a fight. That's step three. Show them where we stand. Let's do it very simply, very easily. Display the American flag. Fly it from your front porch. Stick it on your car or truck. Wear it proudly as a shirt, button, or hat. Or show our colors any other way you prefer. Just imagine what America will look like when all of us fly her flag. 
and I smile proudly when I see that flag being flown. I also get some satisfaction knowing that the leftists hate our flag. So please, fly or otherwise display our flag within a week of watching this. Step number four, rally the nation. You know, you heard about it. Not long ago, the Canadian truckers took a heroic stand for freedom. Their courage in the face of the pig of a prime minister, Justin Trudeau, drew praise and prayers from around the world. Watching it, I was inspired to think of what Americans can do to stand for freedom while avoiding confrontation or interfering with commerce. Fortunately, some wonderful patriots already have an answer. They developed Choose Freedom, a grassroots movement to speak out peaceably and continuously against tyranny being posed on America. Choose Freedom is a movement I predict millions of Americans will join, and I hope you'll be among them. In addition to flying the flag, you can choose freedom, put on banners, car flags, bumper stickers, clothing, cups, and more. Finally, step five is what we cover all the time in the economic war room. That is weaponize your money. Your giving, your spending, and your investing should support America's liberty, security, and values. The Bible teaches in Luke 16, 11, and I'm paraphrasing, if you're not faithful with your money, you won't be trusted with true wealth. To me, that means that we have to have value liberty over money. It also means we'd better start being faithful with our money, and we need to make it clear that we will not be bought off. That's really why we have an economic war room. So much of the pig's plan is just an economic war being waged against you, your family, and our nation. They want to silence you and use economics to force you to do their bidding. As an alternative, why not team up with a qualified investment advisor and weaponize your money to take back America? I know your investment manager, insurance agent, CPA, or financial planner may not know how to help you with this. Or you may not even have an advisor. Either way, contact us. We have a training program for advisors so they can learn how to help you. You can learn more at NSIC.org. We're just starting this, but we're going to roll out and reach many wonderful advisors. NSIC stands for National Security Investment Consultant. That's NSIC.org. As always, this episode will be accompanied by a free economic battle plan telling you the action steps. It will also serve as the foundation for my next book, According to Plan, which should be out soon. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.